Welcome to Granite State Divide, the podcast that brings politics and community together to educate and foster common ground. My name is Kathy Rago, and this is Granite State Divide. Let's get started. Today on the Granite State Divide, we are joined by Representative Glenn Cordelli. He's a rep for District 4, which is Carroll County, which includes Moultonboro, Sandwich, and Tuftonboro. He is Vice Chair of House Education Committee, and he is going on his fifth term as a state representative. So welcome, Representative Cordelli. Great to be with you. Thank you. So I'd like to talk today about HB 20, the Education Freedom Accounts. Um, you're one of the co-sponsors. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, and the original co-sponsor was the late Dick Hinch. That was going to be my next <laughs> question is why, how is he connected to this yeah. bill? He was the original sponsor, really championed uh, the concept, um, but then we had his untimely passing and uh, the uh, new speaker, Sherm Packard, has taken over as the prime sponsor of the bill. Okay, great. Um, can you briefly explain the design of HB 20, how it's intended to work, and who benefits? Sure. Um, start with the easy part. Okay. Who benefits? And that's the kids of New Hampshire. Um, that's the focus of the bill. And uh, it works much like a health savings account um, in that uh, the uh, money that would have gone from the state to the school district to educate your child if you sign up for one of these accounts, the money would be put into an account for your use in finding the best education options for your child. There's a whole list of allowable expenses, everything from tuition to tutors to therapies um, that are allowable expenses, and you can really customize the education for your child to best need, meet their needs because we know that every child is different. Right. And even even a great school isn't going to be the best fit for every child. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. So I've been reading a lot of pros and cons, a lot of facts <laughs> and fiction. Um, so I thought we could touch base on a couple of them, the biggies. Yep. Uh, now, I know there's an amendment, so when you respond to the questions, you can refer to the amended version because okay. I know you've made some changes. So. Uh, first off, Granite State Home Educators Coalition, as you know, had some concerns about the bill. Um, they were concerned how it conflates homeschooled student to an EFA student. So, But when I looked at the original bill, it didn't even make a reference to homeschoolers. So can Correct. you address those concerns and if it's been fixed? And yes. Um, yeah, even though um, it didn't mention the word homeschoolers or home right. educators or anything right. like that <laughs> there was still uh, concerns that uh, um, if you took an EFA student it might be um, equated to being a homeschooler and that there might be new uh, regulations or requirements imposed on ho homeschoolers so in the amendment that we put forward today we uh, clearly uh, de defined that there is a homeschooler and there's an EFA student, Education Freedom Account students. They're, they're different. There are completely separate categories now in, um, uh, in law, or when this bill passes, it'll be in law. Um, so really the four categories would be public school students, private school students, homeschoolers, and EFA students. And um, 
homeschoolers, you know, are free. They're eligible to uh, take an account, sign up for an account. Um, uh, but if they don't want to, then, you know, life goes on as, as normal. So if a homeschooler took, so I homeschooled my kids for 10 years. So right. we love the fact that we are, I guess, autonomous. We don't have to, <laughs> you know, deal with the government. But if a homeschooler chose to take it and education freedom account then they would be held to a uh, the standard of the as far as accountability to a government the government yeah the, um, we did put in um, this uh, new amendment um, an academic accountability uh, provision um, that really allows um, the EFA student to take either some nationally norm referenced um, achievement test mm-hmm. and that's an allowable expense or they could take uh, the state assessment if they wanted to at a local public school, or they could, like a homeschooler does, um, build a portfolio of their work. Um, So EFA student would have those three options to show that they uh, are uh, achieving and uh, growing uh, in an academic uh, fashion. Um, So it's not too much different than um, current homeschool law, but, um, but they are different right gotcha (laughs) okay good good um i've also heard grumblings that this bill could lead to an income tax that's been the what's been out there so let's talk about that so one of the things and i get the i get the whole concept that the money follows the child i mean that's thought that's really the key is the money follows the child but the question comes when when it's a public school student, they've got adequacy aid that's assigned to them, 3700 as a base, let's say, right. without yep. adding free and reduced lunch or special ed or anything. So, but this bill actually provides uh, accounts for private and homeschoolers. So those don't have adequacy funds connected to them. So I think that's where a lot of the questions, concerns mm-hmm. are in mm-hmm. light of a possible income tax to cover that cost. So. Go. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, there's plenty of money in the education trust fund um, where all these um, accounts would be funded from and where uh, public school student adequacy grants are funded from. There's plenty of money there. Um, if, uh, if the commissioner needs money, he can fill out a warrant and get money from the treasury if he needs to. But um, you know, we've seen all kinds of uh, uh, scare um, emails and so forth, uh, just one today um, from one of the members of the committee that uh, there's something like 16,000 private school students in the state. Um, If every one of them takes an EFA account, how much money will that be? Well, there's there's no way that our private schools are going to, the students who are already there are all going to uh, take an EFA account. Same with homeschoolers. They're going to be homeschoolers, um, as as you know, who don't want anything to do with this. So I think that they're greatly inflating the number of students who would uh, be interested in this. And in addition, we added one other provision in the amendment today, which uh, is an income limit. Um, It'll actually be for, uh, it's a five-year income limit and then we'll see where we are but it's uh, 375% of the federal poverty level which is about 99,000 for a family of four so what that does in effect is uh, the top half 
of the families in terms of income would not be eligible. So the bottom half of New Hampshire families would be eligible. So it's really um, the wealthier families, if you will, um, you know, they probably, for the most part, have uh, the funds available to find the education that their kids need. So we're concentrating on the you know, middle income and lower income uh, students so that their families have the same opportunities that the upper half right. of the income scale mm-hmm. already enjoys. So that's the focus. Um, so you know, a lot of those private school students are gonna be cut out because of the eligibility, excuse me, the uh, income limit anyway. Um, so uh, I, I don't see that as a uh, problem. Um, we've gotten a lot of emails about um, property taxes also. Right. Along mm-hmm. those same lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, my response to everyone who's written about that is uh, that um, you know, they say because of this bill, uh, property taxes will increase. But my statement to them is you should go to your school board and your superintendent. Enrollment across the state is projected to decline by 20,000 students or more over the next 10 years. So what plans are your districts making now for that? shift in demographics will will they continue increasing budgets even though the uh, enrollments are declining uh, yeah I actually I think they will <laughs> <laughs> um, that seems to hist- be a pattern. history uh, yes yeah. right yes yeah, um, I was looking at one district in the past 20 years their enrollment is down over 30 percent the budget's grown by over 50 percent yeah how I that just boggles my mind is it is how that is allowed to happen is it just that taxpayers aren't paying attention or they don't have a voice um it's it's i'm curious about that yeah Uh, i don't get how that keeps happening yeah Um, it's um i i think that uh um i think there maybe has been uh, an awakening in uh, a lot of parents yeah through i think the uh pandemic and remote learning has um, not opened a screen for the student for remote learning, but maybe a window into education for parents as well. Oh, um, all right. So they, I'm assuming there's a mechanism in there. If they receive a uh, education tax credit scholarship, they can't receive an education freedom account award. There's no. They can actually get both. They can get both. Oh, okay. Wow, yep. that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, if you want to go to a private school, um, I think the average for a private school for elementary school is something like $8,500. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, so between, um, you know, the education freedom account of, let's say, $4,000, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, if you need uh, and or can get the uh, tax credit scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, you could get, you know, a good, good. percentage of your... Uh, tuition paid. What do you say to people who say that this is going to gut the public school system? Um, no. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we have experience in other states. Um, there are five states with uh, similar education savings accounts, mm-hmm. they're called. Um, and we have other states that have um, different scholarship programs and so forth. But the five states with education um, savings accounts, 
um, if you take a look at the eligible population, which in all of these states is smaller than our eligible population, but the percentage of eligible students taking uh, one of these accounts, the highest is Arizona, which is the oldest program at 11 years. Their current per, uh, per, uh, participation rate is 3.9% of the eligible students. Oh, okay. And that's a 25% increase over last year. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that's the highest percentage. So, you know, uh, these um, uh, memos and emails we're getting saying, you know, it's going to decimate the schools. Mm -hmm. You know, history do does not show that's going to happen. Plus, you know, we hear from bill opponents that, oh, New Hampshire has, you know, one of the top education systems in the country, um, which, you know, by measurements, that's, you know, true. Uh, but if our schools are so great, why would the kids want to leave in the first place? Yeah, well, good question. Good question. <laughs> so, all right. So, <clears throat> how can people reach you if they want to contact you about sure. this, this bill? Uh, my home phone is six zero three five one five zero zero eight, and um, be glad to uh, answer questions. I've uh, you know, I've had calls from the commissioner at ten o'clock at night, so uh, it's it's not a not a problem. Um, okay. I I enjoy talking about it, All and right, good. Um, good. yeah. And then if somebody I noticed that if they want to email the entire education committee, it's House Education Committee one word at leg dot state dot nh dot us. Correct. Yes. All right. All right. Um, so what so, is the next step for this bill? Uh, tomorrow. Um, we had uh, what's called an executive session to uh, discuss, debate the bill um, today and vote on it, um, but we um, didn't get to that point. We went over the bill um, page by page with everybody and answered all the questions. Page by page, line by line. Line by line, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> um, um, and so tomorrow we will take it up again and um, we uh, have to vote on it tomorrow morning as there is a, a deadline um, because uh, uh, if passed it will go to a, a second committee being financed to discuss uh, the financial aspects more. Oh, okay. So it's got to go to finance next. Yeah. Yeah. And then once it passes out of, let's say it passes out of finance and it goes to the full house, <clears throat> then it'll scoot over to the Senate. We sure hope so. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Uh, one of the things I like to wrap it up with is I like to ask my guests if they had one rule for life, what would your one rule for life be? Wow. Um, and the first word that popped into my mind was enjoy. Um, okay. uh, um, you know, uh, family, you know, love your family and friends, um, and enjoy life. Uh, you know, you never know how long it lasts and, um, you know, we should take advantage of it and enjoy it while we're here. Yeah, that's good. I like that. All right. Well, thank you, Representative Cordelli, for taking the time to join us on the uh, Granite State Divide podcast. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in today to Granite State Divide. I hope this episode brought new information to you because that's our goal, to educate and inform. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please share on your Facebook or Instagram pages so we can get this information to as many people as possible. Until next time.